Is film like milk? Yes. It's got culture in it. And it's. Mm, damn it. Leche. <laughs> Whole milk, skim milk, medium milk. I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk Could me? Could you milk me? Hi, and welcome back to Age Like Milk, the podcast where we decide if a movie has gone bad in the mind for a trivia of mind. I am one of your hosts, Paris Herbert Taylor. And who are you going to call David William Rogers? Hello. I am Zool. <laughs> What's up, Paris? There's no David, only Zool. <laughs> How you doing? I'm doing great. It's obviously spooky season, yeah. and we're on a bit of a roll with these spooky movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, this one's... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's spooky. I don't know. I don't know who is, like, the authority on what makes a halloween type movie. Do you have to, like, outright say this is about Halloween? Like, you know, last week we did Beetlejuice, which to me feels very in the vein of and and this movie the same but tell me david what is the film that we are doing today the film we are doing is ghostbusters 1984 which is a fantastic year the year of our lord as some would say um (laughs) this movie is a good one bill murray dan Aykroyd, sigourney weaver right harold ramis it was um directed by uh, Ivan Reitman and the writers are Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, and Rick Moranis is uncredited for a little bit of the writing as well. Um, what? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you also have obviously Rick Moranis, Annie Potts, William Atheron, and uh, Arnie Hudson. Um, yeah, a lot going on in this movie. Star studded cast. William a- Atherton. Atherton. Okay. He was a definitely. Um, cast as the bad guy in a lot of <laughs> 80s movies, right? Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Ghostbusters. I mean, who doesn't know about this movie, right? This is a classic. I think I think it's pretty, I mean, maybe, I, I think internationally it was a pretty massive movie. And it's so interesting. So you and I went to see it at Hollywood Forever, yeah, which is Sinespia. the cemetery. In yeah. in LA, that you can see um, movies at Cinespia is the the, the group. company that puts and it's, it on. It's yeah. just so funny realizing how much this movie has impacted people across the world. Yeah, and that is a great venue. I would suggest anybody visiting Hollywood or in the area, LA, or lives here or hasn't done it yet. If you're a movie buff, obviously you probably are. If you're listening to this podcast right now, but you should definitely sure. experience a movie at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. It's it's great. You can bring um, food, like we brought Thai food, we brought snacks, you can bring games, you can bring drinks, and you just hang out. And they set up photo booths. They had um, two like makeshift vehicles of the Ghostbuster mobiles. Um, they had this huge stage set up where you could uh, take pictures with your friends like on the steps in one of the iconic scenes in this movie. And it's just a good time. It was a good time. It was my first going when we went, and it was a great venue to rewatch this film. And obviously, now we get to jump in and, and talk mm-hmm. about it. So, right off the bat, uh, did you watch this film growing up? I did. Should we do the? Should I do the synopsis real quick? Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. All right. I cannot forget the. It's it's all the goo from all the ghosts. <laughs> all the slime. Brain. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So you got uh, three guys who are working at a university, right? They're all scientists, doctors, and they have their individual fields, 
and they get this call that something's going on at the library and this takes place in New York. So they go down there and um, they're kind of excited because they haven't really gotten too many calls and they look into ghosts and spiritual phenomenon, right? Afterlife. Um, this is something that they're interested in. So Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd and Harold Remus go to this library and they're walking around They have this gadget to see like ghost activity and they find a ghost in the basement and it's a pretty funny scene because they don't know what to do this is first time finding one and dan Aykroyd basically like get her and <laughs> they all freak out they come running out of the building and they get back to the university they're all excited and then the president of the university kicks them out so saying like you're not getting funded anymore so they got to think quick on their feet um, they have Dan Eckery get a third mortgage on a house that was left to him, and they start their own facility. It's like an old um, fire station, right? And they're all excited. They start getting a couple calls. Sig Sigourney Weaver is their first client. She has <laughs> this dog in her fridge, basically, that she sees. She freaks out. And as we move forward, it's this um, building that she lives in is like was constructed to get supernatural activity basically uh it's like a big antenna for supernatural activity so um they come and they're doing some ghost busting they're fighting with the epa because they're not really licensed and then at the end of it all the ghosts that they've caught up to that point get let out and then they got to go fight and get at this like main ghost uh zool basically um and the stay puff marshmallow man and then they, you know they saved the day in new york but um they shot this in new york and la and there's um some history i know you said you watched the making of which i i did also after you mentioned yes. it and there's a lot of good you know interesting facts about this movie and a lot of these actors yeah, worked together in the past and yeah this is just a, a classic yeah, if you have Netflix, there's a show called The Movies That Made Us. And obviously, because David and I are film dorks, um, and that's kind of the podcast, um, it's great to watch those watch those episodes and to see how, you know, these classics came to be. I mean, for me, this movie is such a comedy of errors, like coming together. The, when you watch the making of this film, it's just incredible that it even happened. You know, it's it all sort of started with Dan Aykroyd, whose family... It's a long line of paranormal uh, spiritualists. Yeah. 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 And then he kind of, I think the first draft, according to this episode anyway, was very much like a space, <laughs> like just sounds like it was a crazy script. And he, uh, you know, came, came in and was like, look, uh, who was it? It was, uh, was it Reitman that came in? Ivan Reitman <laughs> and said, look, you've got to make it more like grounded. You've got to put it like in today's, world and so it kind of took shape as these ghostbuster guys who you know are the characters that we know and love today but i just love learning about the original script and dan Aykroyd's brain because he was behind the marshmallow man the stay puffed guy which is just the most random <laughs> it's when we were watching it at the cemetery i kept thinking like oh shit does the marshmallow guy come in the second one or something because no. it comes so it's such an iconic part of the film and it comes yeah. so late in the game they had it's to, just so fucking they random. had to choose um you know the destructor choose the destructor and it's funny like uh rick moranis character he kind of explains it when he's possessed and it's hilarious he's like the in this time it came in the form of a slug 
Um, he crushed that role, by the way. And and yeah, they originally the script they said it would have cost like three hundred million dollars to make, and that would have been in nineteen eighty four. Um, because of he wanted it like it was they were Ghostbusters but there's also different other like dimensions and stuff that had Ghostbusters and they were fighting so like the Stay, Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man actually was introduced on like page 20 in the original script because mm. there's so many different other things going on there's he was one the Puff Marshmallow Man was one of 50 like giant monsters that the Ghostbusters were going to fight so yeah, they they had to like scale that back and figure out a way to make this movie and get it green lit. And on the production side, um, the guy who green lit it, Coca Cola had bought Paramount, right? And then they didn't want they didn't Columbia or bought Columbia, and they didn't think that this was gonna make money. Um, and he was pushing for it, and he was out the door um, like once production started. So and then the, where he went to actually own the rights did you see like they didn't own the rights for ghostbusters and they just started shooting it the biggest thing for this is that they did this in 10 months and yeah. which is nuts for like a you know major motion picture for a studio and they were just like learning on the not learning on the fly but like making decisions on the fly um, no for some well the, the the problem was that ghostbusters was already a tv show mm-hmm. right so they were like you have to call it ghost breakers <laughs> so they started shooting it and that the studio wanted them to do two versions of everything, which was obviously extremely time consuming and um, not a good use of money. Like, what the fuck? But yeah, it's it's so crazy. And the, they did make it, was it 25 million they asked for? Originally? Yeah, and they got greenlit for that. And he was, um, in that episode of the movies that made us, he was just holding the scripts and he said, oh, it feels mm-hmm. like 20, 25, because <laughs> they had no idea. He had no idea what this movie was gonna take you know they had the idea of it and they were still making changes as they're moving forward and they attached uh i think a big thing was getting harold uh is it ramus or remus i think it's harold ramus yeah Ramis. he was yeah. to get him he, to, he to write on it right and to help push it forward with the studio because yeah he had some yeah, success it, at the studio it, previously it's interesting like dan Aykroyd obviously like was uh, a good friend with of joe uh, Jim Belushi because they did the the Blues Brothers together and so he was attached and then Jim unfortunately passed away mm. in the you know in the right when he was writing it so then he was like he wanted to go to Eddie Murphy it's just so it was, funny it was supposed to be <laughs> Dan love... Aykroyd Eddie Murphy and Jim Belushi right the original yeah mm. it's just funny because like they were all Saturday Night Live guys so of course like I think when you're creating stuff you're like I'm gonna work with my friends or whatever but then the funniest stories about Bill Murray, like he was such a loose cannon. They had no idea if he was going to show up on the first day of set. Like the first day of shooting, they wanted to get the first shot in the can by 10.30 a.m. And the night before they were like, where is Billy? And then he rocked up to set at 8 a.m. Like he was there. But I can't imagine like Bill Murray is such a hilarious part of this film, but also just like the anxiety of being like, are you going to fucking be there? Like, where, you know. <laughs> I wonder if he had a track record of not showing up like because they're saying you just didn't know because he didn't respond a lot but if he's showing up consistently uh, you know and he's like yeah dan 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 said he was gonna show up in film in film and tv they sort of bombard you with you know call sheets and they like need you to confirm and it's just because it's i mean fuck if he didn't show up that's what can they shoot you know he's in every scene with Mm -hmm. the guys pretty much yeah it's sort of it's stressful and, and you know ad's who kind of run the show and keep everybody on time i'm sure they were like 
this is fucked. <laughs> and also, it wasn't <laughs> like we had cell phones in the 80s. You know, you couldn't just track somebody down. Yeah. I think he so. was like in Paris, right? Before they started shooting. Yeah. Then, yeah, yeah. Here he is. But I think the people... They, they, they did cast the, the the group that came together was just so amazing with Harold Remus, Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, and then, you know. Sigourney. Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. Um, Sigourney. In that episode, too, it was a little uh, interesting for Arnie Hudson. He was supposed to have a lot more mm. uh, screen time and lines. And as they made it, they, he just kept getting pushed back, pushed back. And they said that he was supposed to be like on page 20. He had some of the lines that Bill Murray was saying, and then mm. he didn't show up to like page 65 or so. I don't know, something like that. And he was saying he'd get like frustrated, but they were telling him, like Harold was saying, it's, this is, you know, it's not personal. It's just as we're moving forward and trying to figure all this out, this is just how it's um, developing, basically. I liked his character, Ernie Hudson, who plays Winston Zedmore. Mm -hmm. He was kind of like the outside voice of reason. Like he was kind of the entry point for audience members, like kind of coming in and being like, this is crazy. But again, he doesn't, you know, we talked about this in the last episode, this old storytelling. He comes in so late in the game. You know, usually you're not really introducing new characters at at the 40 minute mark, Mm -hmm. but it works in this film. And it, I mean, if it works in this film, it's it's got to work in other films, right? So I wonder if there's going to be the shift with movies and if writing is going to get back there eventually, which you'll you'll identify once it starts heading back that way. You know what I mean? But um, if it started that way and these movies were made and successful, then it can be done again, right? Yeah, yeah. And of course... You know, since we're talking about Ernie, it is great that there is a main character that is a person of color. Mm -hmm. That is something that the last film that we talked about, Beetlejuice, did not have. And this was four years before Beetlejuice. So clearly it was possible in the Hollywood system. It just wasn't wasn't done enough. And for them them to be like, so whatever happened with Eddie Murphy not to pass and then not change it to just add any other name and mm. and they cast him which was it's good giving people opportunity do you believe in ufos astral projections mental telepathy esp clairvoyance spirit photography telekinetic movement full trance mediums the loch ness monster and the theory of atlantis uh, if there's a steady paycheck in it i'll believe anything you say and he did, Absolutely. he he served the story, right? Like you said, and Dan Eckert said it too, like we need somebody that, from the outside to come in and be like, yeah, this is crazy, but what I've seen in the past, he has that line, what I've seen to the mayor, what I've seen in the past few weeks would turn you white, <laughs> uh, which is hilarious. Also Sigourney Weaver's character wasn't really meant to be a big part, it seemed like when we were watching the making of and there weren't really very many women in this film which dan Aykroyd, at least in the interviews we saw kind of acknowledges was like a problem but i think sigourney's character is i mean it's so iconic mm-hmm. her and rick moranis yeah <laughs> the, key master and the, the key master and the yeah. there was no women in the script do you catch that part that uh yeah, yeah. um because he, he was saying like i i've never been one for romance and so like pairing right. her and then um, Bill Murray. He's like, I just didn't even think about it. 
because that's not how. So I... they did add. They did add Annie P- Potts, who played Janine Melnitz, who was the receptionist, mm-hmm. the kind of like over at receptionist, and then also Goza was possibly going to be played by P.B. Herman, who I brought up in the last episode, who I think freaks me out a little bit. <laughs> but it was actually played by Slatbitsa Jovan, who I believe was a very famous gymnast or some kind of contortionist type person. So I think, you know, the movie that we ended up with was great. It's so crazy to watch the making of it and realize how close to disaster they were at any given time. So I think it's just a good reminder that any movie that exists is like, hard one battle for sure yeah i was trying to get everything together so many moving parts and then for this timeline crunch and visual and special effects we're just like you know you have 10 months to do all of this and to start Mm -hmm. from zero and then to come with this final product um is is pretty amazing so incredible so yeah unlike the movie that we did last week i didn't feel as you know, there wasn't as much like sexual innuendo assaulty type things, which is great. Love that. Love to watch a movie and not feel like, you know, being preyed on is a, is a good joke. But definitely Bill's character is like towing the line sometimes of like, and know, that, that was I was going to ask you that because, you know, it's I, I felt it in the last one we did. Right. I was like, oh, you know, that's a little creepy. And then watching yeah. watching when we saw this in the cemetery, it's like, you know, does that like but it's all the only scene know, that like, was how, kind of weird was when she like passes out and she's Zool. Yeah. And then he sort of like says, like, you have a good sleep. And then he kisses her on the face and then he kind of kisses her down on yeah, the chest. Yeah. Did you catch that? Mm hmm. And it's like, so where, you know, where is, but it's, it's, there's definitely, you know, this is crossing the line for like the majority of the population. Right. But then that this, this movie, it's kind of like, okay, how does you as an individual feel about that? Like, does that, would that cross the line for you or would that cross the line for someone yeah. else? So well, would you sleep with a woman if she was fully possessed by a demon? No, but that's why I thought it was funny how he was talking about it. And he's like, oh, I think there's already, she, what did she say? Like, I want you in me. And he's like, oh, no, I think it's a little crowded. But it seems like there's already two people in there. Um, yeah. Which was hilarious, like the back and forth that they had. But um, and then it was also, I thought it was a little creepy because he's like, he drugged her and put her out. And I yeah. mean, he is a doctor. And then it's like, obviously. Yeah, but he's a he's got a doctorate in like psychokinetics, yeah, whatever is like yeah. brand. It's so, not like he's a and medical he's, doctor. He's like a research doctor. And where did he get that from? Because he went over there for a date. So that kind of, to me, he, did he go down? Why did to, you have that on you? Or did yeah. he go down to the store? You know what I mean? It's very just like, yeah, I gave her 300 milligrams or whatever of this and she's out. And I was like, wait. <laughs> wait, wait, what? Yeah, huh? yeah, yeah. It's also like she sleeps with Rick Moranis' character, yeah, Lewis, who's like kind of her dorky neighbor that lives down the hall, and he clearly has like a crush on yeah. her. So that it's like, did they sleep together? I mean, physically they did, but mentally they didn't. Yeah, true. But I mean, they don't really sh- they don't show them sleep together. They show them like get, like get up on that stone right on top of the building, and his belt's undone. But they don't show him do anything. Like you gotta, oh, I'm pretty you, sure that's what they want. Oh, that's what I'm but. saying. But you gotta look for it, right? You gotta see it because I mean, and Keymaster, Gatekeeper, like, yeah, right? just the names There's a alone. Bit of, yeah. Like they they need to get down <laughs> so that uh, the Destructor could come or whatever. 
Get so. down to it. Yeah. I was a mm. little, it's funny rewatching it as an adult. I was like, I don't know if I totally understand what's happening here with the, the portal and stuff. Like as a kid, you just kind of like accept it. Right. And I think for yeah. me, I was always more focused on like the ghosts of it all. Like, Oh my God, these ghosts that they have to catch them. But then rewatching it as an adult, I'm like, Oh, I totally forgot that there was like, which is so crazy. Cause Zool is like such a part of it, but it's like, they were trying to what, like come to earth to take over. That was very clear. Yeah. Um, and it's been done before in the past, right? That uh, like Rick Moranis was saying, like this has happened and they chose this. It was like Mesopotamia or I forget what mm-hmm. culture like that um, had this as like a deity. And like the, I think some of the people in that building glorified that that God or whatever. They, they give a little bit of backstory. Mm-hmm. But that's what I love about this too. Like if you really get into this movie and listen to like some of the some of the descriptions that they give or like backstory about where these ghosts come from it's it sounds pretty interesting like what they're getting on to and like they're giving it some they're giving it some some history not just saying like oh there's some ghosts right which comes from dan Aykroyd because his family has been doing this for a few generations like his dad even wrote a book about this stuff yeah so it's just funny because like in the last episode we did beetlejuice we were obviously kind of following the perspective of the ghosts and then in this movie we're following the people trying to like capture the ghosts mm-hmm. and there was one thing that i kind of did raise an eyebrow at when we were watching it when they capture them in the machine i forget what it's called the like square thing that they get them in they go to the firehouse they have this system and he's like okay it's super easy to clean the traps like you just put it in here and then you turn this and it, when the light goes green the trap is clean and i think ernie's character is kind of like he does say something like what happens to them and they're like oh they're just stored in here so wait <laughs> you're imprisoning them against yeah, their will in this wall yeah and it's like are and then what what ghosts are we talking about throughout film history like in the sixth sense have you seen that movie yes yeah so like he kind of helps those ghosts move on right so if you take that aspect of it like to do some the slimer needs some help uh, maybe he like yeah ate, they're not helping did him. Slimer eat himself to death, and maybe they gotta teach him some self control on sack time, yeah. and then he can move on from this from <laughs> like the ghost world. <laughs> but they're like, oh, let's trap these people, let's make this into a business. Um, yeah. yeah, and then they're like, let's blow up this marshmallow guy. That can't have been fun. That's not a nice way to die. Yeah, yeah, not at all. D- die again. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was interesting. And yeah, they, there's never really any discussion of like beyond who you're going to call Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it does ask the question. It's like if you hire an exterminator, I guess you're not really thinking about like, what do they do with the bodies of the cockroaches yeah. or the rats? Just you get know? them out of here. Yeah. I just don't want yeah. them but- here anymore. Like in the ballroom, um, he's like, it's going to be 4K, you know, for this and about $1,000 for storage. And the guy's like, Phew five grand preposterous i'm not paying that he's like all right we'll put slimer back in here then he's like all right all right, all right. i'll pay it he's like, exactly yeah. you don't want you don't want this problem as a business owner or like in your house it's just like we never really address like exactly like you said like what do they need like why are they here yeah, why are they st- why are they tearing shit why up? are they still on this you know? this plane of consciousness and yeah who knows i mean would you haunt people you think if you were Fuck yes. <laughs> no question. Who would you haunt? Who would be the first person you would haunt? I, I'm not really picky, to be fair. <laughs> like, I would definitely... I just think that would be really fun to, like, haunt somebody. Although, like, not if at the expense of, like, you know, moving on and, like, finding peace and stuff. Like, I think 
a lot of portrayals of ghosts. They're very tormented, right? Mm. Like the woman in the library and in Ghostbusters, she's like moving books around and then he's like, hey lady. And then she like attacks him. Like yeah. clearly yeah. something's going on. Maybe she just wants to be alone with her books. Yes, I don't know. She but finish reading. Hell yeah. If the, if the choice was between oblivion, you know, the time before birth, which we can't remember, and haunting someone, I don't know, she's haunting yeah. 10 times out of 10. Wait, How about you? You would be more of like a trickster ghost than like... Like a scary Scary, ghost. trying to like really torture people. I'm just incredibly nosy. Like I love to eavesdrop. I love to uh, to know the drama, the tea. So yeah. <laughs> fuck yeah. I'd probably go to like, honestly, I'd probably go to like a university dorm and just like hang out and just like hear... Just- cause drama the drama the nonsense like, yeah why like not? right rebecca dan's cheating on you with erica like on the mirror yeah just like or a something ghostly the- <laughs> fingerprint yeah. check the sock after, drawer after they shower like in the steam like on the mirror yeah. mm-hmm. and then just sit back yeah, yeah I'd, just I'd, like, I'd haunt people i'd start i'd like, do friends first though you know depending on when i passed friends. away like if i died tomorrow knock on whatever hopefully i don't but i'd be haunt i'd be fucking with you guys constantly but I if, would but expect if, nothing. Yeah, else but if we're old, if we're like in our nineties and I pass away, I, I just I wouldn't fuck with you guys. I'd be like, nah, they're chilling. You know, I'd go fuck with other people. I mean, that's the thing. I wouldn't want to like, kill you. I wouldn't want to like trick you and give you a heart like... attack, you know? Or like have you stumble yeah. and you you break your hip or something. I'd feel bad after I laughed, after you fell, you know. Yeah, but you'd also be like, Yeah, LOLs. Yeah. Or like um... <laughs> Like, what happened? Like, I gave you a heart attack because I scare you so much. And then your ghost pops up. And then we're talking to each other. I'm like, I am so sorry. I didn't see it going that way. That's my bad. Have you watched the show Ghosts, the the TV show? I've only seen, you told me about that. I've only seen the UK version, though. The UK version is great. The American version is good, too. But yeah, I mean, that would be fun. Like, if there was a house of ghosts Mm -hmm. that you could all be friends, I'd I'd be down for that. But. Then you got to deal with these fucking guys who are out here trying to catch you and shit and charging (laughs) money to do it. Like what I'm saying is like, let's get a racket going. Like I will go haunt this place. Yeah. Uh, I guess ghosts don't really need anything. There's a Michael J. Fox movie um, that he does that because he can see, Mm. he can see ghosts and he has some friends that he knows that are deceased and he does that. And then, yeah, that movie takes a turn. It gets dark. But. Oh, I can see. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, this is, uh, I love love this stuff. Because we don't, you know, we don't talk about, like, death and, like, afterlife too much. Especially, like, outside of people that are, like, religious, I would say. But when you talk about afterlife and if this is a possibility and spirits. And uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I probably told you this on the podcast before. But my sister-in-law. They used to take care of when they were in college, um, like children that were, you know, um, like either mentally ill or, you know, like Down syndrome, anything like that, that they would do in home care. So she was and this girl never talked. Right. She was probably like eight or nine. She didn't she didn't talk at all. So my sister-in-law was combing her hair and they're watching TV. And then all of a sudden she felt something playing with her hair. And there were only two people in the house. And she was like what the fuck and the little girl turned up and looked to her and said it's okay she won't hurt you that's freaky yeah and so she grabbed the little girl and they waited outside until um the parents got back (laughs) like Mm. and then you hear stuff like that and it's like is there like you know like do you personally believe in ghosts or supernatural 
I mean, I'm not against believing in it. I think, you know, my grandfather died when I was five. And I didn't really know him, obviously, because I was five. And I also lived overseas, like, most of my life. But I used to think... My mom tells this story of driving a car with us. Maybe she was in Malaysia or something. And she was, like, kind of nodding off at the wheel or something. And she felt like someone kept nudging her in the back. But the kids, if we, the kids were passed out. And she's always felt like he was looking after us. It's not her father. It's my father's father. But, you know, they had a, a great relationship. And mm. I, I, you know... I've had such a blessed life. I've just every, even every terrible situation or like whatever, you know, in my first world problem type terrible situation. But like, I've, I've always felt like there was somebody kind of looking out for me or like guiding me. And, and, you know, I'm not very religious. I'm more spiritual if anything. So like, I, I could believe it. I'd like to think that ghosts are not watching me in my most intimate moments because I don't <laughs> need to get in my head about that and have problems. Yeah. Um, but, you know, my dad lives in this, it's now nice, but, you know, I've just been there in, in France and like, it's, uh, it's this house that has these two wells and I will never forget last year when we went, just like, you know, I was working LA hours from France. So I was probably working like 6 p.m. to 2 a.m., and just feeling like this like weird fear. Maybe I was just freaking myself out, but it was like pitch black at night and there's these wells. And I was like, don't look at the well. Cause you're going to see like somebody just sitting on the edge of it. Or you know, I just like, yeah, I don't know. It's creepy I'd like stuff. to think, well, I don't know. I'd, I'd like to think that there's energies and stuff, but I also would hate to think that there's just like all these people watching me right now, like in the show ghosts, yeah. you know, just like judging my outfit choices or like, well, seeing me get down. <laughs> In the last podcast you did, because just like Lydia was saying, um, she was reading that guidebook, right? And she was saying that the hu- mm-hmm. like the living doesn't see the dead because don't they don't see they don't, not that they can't they, see. yeah they don't see because they don't look for the like the unordinary or whatever. So maybe it's like we go about mm-hmm. our lives and we don't look for these things, and that's why we don't see it. But then on the other side, I would feel like an academic would say, well, if you're looking for that, you're creating that in your mind, you know. And that's why you're seeing it. So, what do you think? Um, How do you it, feel about Chris? It is interesting. I mean, I totally, I, I believe. I don't think about it ever, but like when it, when it get into a conversation like this, like I'm definitely open to it. Like when my sister-in-law mm-hmm. say that, like I get chills when I tell that story, because, you know, like she, she didn't just make that up. I know they, they did that for a living, and she worked with that little girl. She did home at home stays, and for a kid that never talks to turn around and just be like, it's, it's okay. She won't hurt you when she feels somebody playing with her hair. It's fucking freaky. I feel like little kids too. Maybe it's an adult thing. Like if, if ghosts are real, little kids tend to like say weird, creepy shit. Like there's all these like Twitter threads where they're like, I love the man in the corner and the parents are like, what the fuck? Yeah, you know, kids are more open or a little in, in tune to it. Um, yeah or they just they just don't think that it's weird you know a lot of kids have like invisible friends yeah. like is that a ghost you know and you just kind of forget about it which is yeah but the, like how nuts is that you know like little kids it's seeing so a crazy. ghost You're like oh that's uh yeah. or i saw grandma yesterday what grandma's been dead no she was with me when they do the thing Oh. Yeah, there's. I mean, I'm just. I feel like I don't know everything, so I'm very open to the possibility. Yeah. I will say I do roll my eyes a little bit at, at stuff, even though I I do claim to be spiritual. Like uh, a friend of mine, the re- the whole reason I ended up in in North America that started my whole journey is a uh, my girlfriend Alex, who's getting married in in um 
February, we were trying to get down to Australia to, to come to a wedding. We worked at a summer camp and because we were like, I don't know why we got like special treatment. We got to stay with like the camp, the original camp owner's son who had this massive house in Canada, like with all these different rooms. And she was in like a different part of the house and I was like up in the attic or something. And um, I will never forget her like the next morning over breakfast being like, oh yeah, I woke up to this girl just like sitting on the end of my bed, like, you know, watching me. And then I was kind of a bit like eye roll. And then they, she was like telling the guy that we were staying with, Brett. And he was like, oh yeah. Like, yeah, there's ghosts in here for sure. And I was kind of <laughs> like, uh. but yeah. I don't know. The older I get, the more I realize I don't know things. So it's uh. It's a very interesting topic because, like you said, you don't people won't know basically until they pass away. Yeah, but it's also like it's funny in Ghostbusters to bring it back to the film. Like, there's the one older lady that kind of looks like a woman floating, you know, and then there's also the green guy. What's his name again? Slimer. Slimer. And then there's also Zool. And like, you know, if there are ghosts. If everything that has a soul has a, that's where it like gets complicated. Like, are all yeah. the cockroaches out there? And like, if you could see the spectral plane, is it just like it a would be mass littered. of cockroach? Yeah, spirits running everywhere. Is it do dogs have ghosts? You know, like, it, yeah. is it just do you appear in human form? Do you appear in like what a ghost looks like? You know, like in uh, Beetlejuice, they're in the the white sheets. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. And then to your point, like the lady in the library she turns like into a monster right so mm-hmm. like where do, where does that come from you know what's your you know is it like a matrix thing where you are projected like how you see yourself or feel inside you know something like that so yeah it's all, all interesting if you had a ghost in your house and there was a ghost busting service would you call it or would you just let the ghost like kind of rock I would try. I would probably try to take some stuff in my own hands first. I do like the Ouija board, or like try to do like some seance to like try to connect with it first. Like get get real weird with uh-huh. it, and then if it was like, all right, asshole, like I have to be up early tomorrow. Like I've tried speaking to you, tried to you know, you stay over that side of the house. I, <laughs> I won't come over there. You know, Tuesday nights when you're doing your thing. But you're fucking with me, so now I gotta call the Ghostbusters. So it all depends on after I try whatever I would find on online to try to connect with this th- this thing, how how that went, and if it was like, all right, you're infringing on what I'm trying to do with my daily life, then you you gotta go. The problem like, is though, then if like let's say you call a ghost exterminator and then uh, they get out, then they're extra pissed that you had them. Yeah, but I I had tried at that point. I'm saying if I try, if I exhaust everything I can do just as a a citizen, right? A normal person just looking up stuff on Google, seeing what I can do to connect with this this thing and trying to sixth sense it to help it move along or just be chill, you know? Like we do, we have a movie night once a week. Um, and then, but if they're still like fucking with me, then you got. I don't want to watch go. Ghost again. Ghost, fuck's sake! It just keeps requesting the same movie over and over again. Replay <laughs> about a ghost and a Replay. human getting freaky. Yeah. It's like it can happen. No, listen, that's 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 that situation. Yeah. That's never going to be us. We're not going to watch that movie again. With someone, it's not going to happen. You know that. Respect it. Yeah. <laughs> what What about you? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I just let it rock. Yeah, I mean, don't fuck with me. But also, like, what are the rules of the ghost? Like, obviously, Slimer can eat food. I'd be fucking pissed if I went to the grocery store and then, like, all the food was gone. Yeah. But, like, the old lady in the library, she just wants to read books. Like, bitch, I feel you. I love reading books. I don't want to talk to people. I just want to 
chill in the library. You know, and then you got like Marshmallow Guy, like mm, he's pretty destructive. So yeah. Yeah. But one thing in this movie, the Ghostbusters become so prolific, so famous, right? Like everyone's like, oh my God, the Ghostbusters. And they're so busy. They're working all the time to collect these ghosts. That's one group of guys in one city. Like my question is why weren't they training others to be ghost catchers? You know, like, or like, would there be like competing businesses that sprang up? You know, like when Uber became big, then Lyft was like, we're also doing the same thing. True. But, uh, they have the one thing they have the technology, right? They have those proton packs, um, that they said took quite a bit of money to make. That's why they had to get the third mortgage. For so sure. if nobody else has but I think proton a, packs, they're if a billionaire is seeing, you know, it's, it becomes like yeah. a lift situation with, the. <laughs> Like franchise ghostbusters all over the country you got ghostbusters and then you've got the and then you go on your app to check oh well ghostbusters (laughs) is charging 25 dollars for an hour but uh ghost eliminators is actually 20 so i think i'm gonna go with them they got a special i have my sapphire card on my ghost eliminators app so i get you know 17 percent off (laughs) <laughs> and everybody you recommend you get like a seventh one for free yeah, so like, like a punch yeah. card for ghosts. and then like this the seances are like the what the version of taxis are now like we're having to go back to taxis because <laughs> uber and lyft are so expensive you're like yeah i mean i was gonna get that but i just decided to yeah, get like yeah. you know, do it myself like stage my house yeah exactly well i the only other thing i wanted to bring up about this film because it's so so fun is uh the iconic song mm-hmm. i ain't afraid of no ghost Written by Ray Parker Jr., right? And a bunch of other people that he collaborated with. That he was charged with making the song, right? Like he had to do the song for the film. And he was like, kept drawing a blank. And then I saw that he was like up at like 4.30 in the morning watching like those old plumber, Mm -hmm. you know, commercials. And it was like, who are you going to call? And like, if I said that to anyone, I feel like if I said, who are you going to call? Most people would say Ghostbusters. Like it's such a cultural thing which is crazy when we were watching it every time you know that would they had the chance of who are you gonna call everybody in the crowd ghostbusters um, yeah so yeah that's that song is definitely iconic and they it it charted for a while didn't it wow yeah, yeah i think you're right yeah so yeah good for him i think he was having trouble they're like no you gotta put ghostbusters in the song and he's like how the fuck am i supposed to do this and then yeah, you could. <laughs> it's sad, you know. This movie came out in 1984. We've lost uh, Ivan Reitman this past year. Harold Ramis. When we went to see the movie, Ivan Reitman's son was there um, to do a little like intro, which was cute. It's just sad, like the the more years that pass, these guys. Uh, you know, for me as a comedy lover and a comedy writer, comedies don't get their day i don't think anymore even though people love comedies it's Mm -hmm. it's tricky i think studios and executives think that comedy is very secular like regional this movie obviously proved that like around the world a good idea is a good idea but i don't know if this movie would get as much money now you know as it did then people are very risk averse with comedies so this is just such a good all-around movie though it's like yeah, you got to have somebody in the studio, the studio heads that believe in this stuff and that be like, mm-hmm. yeah, this is like a feel good movie for everybody. Um, interesting. But isn't topic. it crazy that, that like the executive that is in that show that we were watching that the movies that made us like he believed in the film so much and he was sneaky when he left Columbia, which was bought by Coca-Cola, which is a brand that doesn't necessarily have the creative vision that mm-hmm. like people who've worked in the movies forever have. 
um, the guy from Frank, I think his name was the executive who left Columbia, he put into into Reitman's contract that he was in charge of the marketing. Like it was a non-negotiable yeah. because easily a studio could like fuck this shit up or like mm-hmm. squash it, you know? Yeah. And that's and that's why he got he got the head gig right at uh, what studio did he go to? Was it Paramount that he went to? I'm not sure, but he the the studio he went to he got he was like the top dog there. It just so happened like that studio owned the TV show Ghostbusters, so he helped, yeah, to get the movie to to free the rights for the name. So it just I was you know it was all aligned. I just think it's so crazy. Like we talk about, you know, obviously the director, the actors, and like every single time we, you know, call out people. I think one time you called out an executive that championed, I forget which film. Was it Tu Wong Fu? I think it was. Yeah. Yep. You know, and by day I'm an executive in the in the business and I feel like my contribution, sometimes it feels like I'm moving projects forward like a millimeter and sometimes it's like leaps and bounds. It's crazy. Yeah, but even that millimeter sometimes could be what that needs for you to just say like no like and we talk about this a lot reading and having your imagination make up kind of in your head what you feel it's going to be totally different than somebody else reading it right with the details yeah so like you could be like yeah but look what if you did this with this script and then someone would be like oh shit right all right yeah let's all right let's you know set up a meeting let's talk about this and then you yeah. you just pushing that forward just a little bit because of how you saw something in the script could be right. what it takes to get this thing made. Even um, Dan Aykroyd's agent at CAA at the time when he wrote this film, he was the one that put Ivan on it. He was like, oh, a fellow Canadian. You know, like they're going to work well together. And just having those people, and it's it seems like your contribution is just making a phone call, but that shit is what, you know, green lights the movies that we love. And yeah, anyway, it's, it's just interesting. Being in the business side of it sometimes feels a bit like you're very transactional with with what is essentially art but somebody has to have the vision mm-hmm. you know anyways it's time david yes. william rogers ghostbuster extraordinaire to thank someone from the cast or crew since we were on the topic of execs and all their people who do you want to give a shout out to okay i'm gonna go with jim a pearl and yes special effects department of course yep and visual effects so and he worked on the thing hellboy after earth which is a terrible movie <laughs> but uh <laughs> <laughs> i haven't seen it i need to watch oh, it oh it's so bad i don't watch it i would say but he's got like 77 visual effects credits ton of shit yeah um gods of egypt a million ways to die in the west did uh the second twilight ted uh, actually did the first twilight as well um and then yeah i just think with the timelines that they had to make this movie and all of you can't just walk around and like throw up a ghost somewhere you're right you got to try to make this look believable for an audience and for the time that they had and just all, all the stuff all the odds they're up against to to pull this thing off was fantastic so shout out to jim 100%. and the whole you know visual effects department for this movie we see you and we appreciate, you. appreciate you and we didn't even really go into the visual effects but these guys ended up kind of stealing a bunch of people from ILM, which was is still like the one of the biggest, most mm-hmm. well-known VFX companies. I think it's International Light and Magic, something I think it stands for. They did all of like the Star Wars and stuff. So a bunch of people had been working there and then they were like, we're going to start our own thing. And then they worked on this movie. Mm-hmm. So it's, I mean, it's definitely the 80s, right? Like the, v- mm-hmm. <laughs> the VFX. But 
Yeah, I saw they, they used a peanut and green spray paint for a Slimer scene where he was like spinning around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, but they, but they walked so we could run. Exactly. I'm just like saying Thor, just, to be, no. just on that yeah. time crunch and just going on the fly and creating. Like we've shot a short right. before and, you know, we did that one contest where it's like you had, what, 72 hours to, to yeah. write, shoot and then edit and then submit and while you're doing this and you're just you're tired and you're coming up with ideas what about this what about that so just you know on a, a, a larger scale basically because it's a, um, a studio production but it's just it's great and i love i would love to be a part of you know that creative process under a time crunch because i just feel like there's so much collaboration between people and it's just a fun environment even though you're like tired and you're rushed but it's it's i i find that stuff interesting and fun so true well yeah it's a it's a funny part of the movie though just because the 80s yeah. it's like it's like with jaws like how they shot some of it in someone's like pool you have to be <laughs> yeah. you have to be crafty <laughs> having said that i wanted to give a shout out to marvin march he was the sec decorator on this film i think the sets were really rich we talked about in the last episode you know green screen versus like practical there's a scene where the ground cracks open um in ghostbusters and the ghostbusters fall into the hole and i just thought like fuck like it just looks so good Mm. just so much fun like these sets even yeah the ballroom where they like sort of blowtorch the shit out of it the library (laughs) just so much fun to be had in the firehouse like come on that's so iconic with the the fireman pole just amazing yeah so marvin worked on the general's daughter the out of towners beverly hills cop 3 adam's family values so many home alone 2 lost in new york lethal weapon 2 seems like oh no he did lethal weapon 1 as well i was like oh he seems to be on the uh on the, the sequel reboot but so many things the frisco kid which i've never seen um silver streak yeah i mean he worked i'm trying to see where his first credit is from 1964 he was actually played the reporter and then but yeah i mean all through the 1960s 70s 80s and 90s marvin was out there decorating some of the sets you know and love so marvin for your contribution we see you and we We appreciate you you. and we appreciate you all right david what do you reckon did this movie hold up or did it slime all over you what do you think um i think it slimed me in a good way right Okay. It's uh, it, it was good Slimer milk, uh, ecto cooler as they <laughs> called it on the juice boxes. If you remember those, um, yeah. so for me, I don't know, like you're the eldest, uh, but I was the youngest of my siblings. So mm. anything they liked, like I would, you know, I would get GI Joes because my older brothers like GI Joes or Thundercats, whatever. This Ghostbusters was my one thing that I can remember from childhood mm. that I liked. And, you know, I was the only one in the house that liked it. And then my mom would, I had the suit, I had the car, I had like a little pack that shot out Nerf toys. You know what I mean? Like I was all in Mm. on Ghostbusters. So this is like very like nostalgic for me. And to see that movie with all you guys, like in a graveyard was just, you know, a highlight probably of my summer. I just, I just love this movie so much and the actors in it and the, you know, it's just a feel good and just everything behind it with the, the the visual effects and the story and you can just kind of jump into it and let your you know your imagination run wild so i thought this movie was great i thought it definitely held up even though the special effects today are a lot better it just it fits with this film right 
in New York mm. and you, we talk a lot about like a New York being a character, right? Mm. And like the grittiness and the, you know, how people get together in New York, you feel like when there's a big, you know, something happening and all the townspeople come together kind of type of thing. And I felt you see that when they're fighting the, the marshmallow and like people are supporting the Ghostbusters. So just all in, I just, I love this movie. It makes you feel good. Came off, you know, watching with you guys feeling great. And uh, I think it held up. What about you? Yeah, I think it held up. I think, you know, we did raise the question of Bill Murray doing the weird drugging and kissing thing. Um, but in terms of 80s movies, I have to let some things be a bit like, uh, okay, I'll let it fly. But, you know, it's funny. My mom is only 19 years older than me because she had me very young. And so when this movie came out, I think she would have been like 15 or 16. So I think she, this was something that she loved. And I feel like I always was exposed to it from her. But maybe didn't appreciate it as much because it's like oh it's something my mom loves but now as an adult i'm like i want the suit i want the car <laughs> you know there were people walking around at the cemetery wearing the full get up and i was just beaming like it's yeah. just it's just such a cult classic it's such a fun idea you just maybe don't dig too deep into it because we were asking a lot of questions like who are these ghosts like why are they here so yeah, yeah it's good times i enjoyed it um but yeah that's our that's our episode that's our second spooky movie of the of the month and i'm glad we haven't gone too scary yes. i know we're gonna do the burbs the burbs next. which is um i'm excited for this i might come over and watch <laughs> this with you and then we can just jump in and record we watch it yeah, yeah. okay i, I have it on dvd oh. so i could bring it over and we can watch it and then, okay. and then record. I'm, uh, yeah yeah, listen, I, like I said, it's, it's sort of like as the leaves turn. We started off mild, the leaves were kind of changing, and now we're getting, we're getting fucking into it. Like, you know, enjoy your spooky times, bitch. But yeah, no, David, always a pleasure. I'm so glad we got to see this with a big crowd. You know, that's always the best way to see a movie, in my opinion. But for now, you should go ahead and check your fridge. Make sure that milk ain't spoiled. Gross milk is gross. That's our show, and we'll catch you on the next one for the burbs. I ain't afraid Bye. of no ghosts.